just me today peter apple no arm no jack but it's great that we're joined by ben Bellotti and pete flaherty and guess what we're talking today college baseball normally you might see casual fridays on the just baseball show but today we're rifling it up pete i'll start with you associate scout for the new york yankees how you doing man well first i want to say thanks for having me on i'm doing well and i'm fired up to talk about college baseball with you guys and ben assistant gm of the ocean state waves how you doing Doing great. Uh, you know, not gambling advice appearance last week, now just baseball show. I'm just happy to be back on with you, Pete. Awesome. And these are the two hosts of our new college baseball podcast, The Boys of Spring. And we have an awesome schedule for you guys going today. So first, we are going to talk just about the season, you know, some early risers, guys that you guys are liking, maybe some early disappointments. We'll also, we're going to get into the top 10. We're going to go overrated or underrated on the top 10 teams, according to D1 Baseball. And then we're going to get into three players that you need to turn on the TV to watch. And then we're going to end it with our mock draft, which is on justbaseball.com. You got to read through the whole mock draft. We're not going to do it all, but there are six college bats on the mock draft written by Ryan Miller, who is also one of the other co-hosts of the Boys of Spring podcast. And that's the show. I'm kind of fired up to talk to you guys. We got so much. So why don't we just break straight into it? Pete, I'm going to start with you. Early successes, early disappointments. Let's start on the success side. Who are some teams that you've seen so far that you're really impressed with? Yeah, obviously, I think when you talk about success, you got to start with, you know, the Texases and the Ole Misses of the world. They're 8-0. I think they're each 8-0. Um, Texas top to bottom, they really have no holes. I think they're an Omaha favorite for a reason. Um, you look at their rotation with Tanner Witt, Pete Hansen, um, their lineup anchored by Silas Arduan, Ivan Melendez, um, Eric Kennedy at the top. I mean, you really get no breaks in the lineup and pitching staff. You're going to be in for it all weekend. So I, the Blue Bloods are kind of doing what they should be. Um, going off the beaten path a little bit, not really. Oregon State is a big time team that's that's um, they've done really well early on with Cooper Jerpy on the mound. Their lineup, I know your guy Jacob Melton is going off. Um, a freshman Travis Bazana is doing really well. They're I I think they're geared for a really deep run. Um, they remind me a lot of those Oregon State teams with um, Pat Casey. They're They've got, you know, six or seven bats that can really swing it. And then a weekend rotation. Um, another team is Arizona. I like what I, a lot of it is kind of geared towards the Pac-12. They've they kind of ran college baseball for a while, had a one or two year hiatus where they were a little down, but they're back. Um, Arizona's one that's really good. TJ Nichols is a guy on Friday night who is almost approaching must watch territory. He's 95, 98 with a banger. Um, and then in the lineup, they've got a ton of firepower with Chase Davis. He's kind of the guy to know for them. Um, tooled up outfielder, lefty stick. It, he's got five tool ceiling, and he's demonstrated it early on. 
Um, and then kind of on the unranked side, teams that you'll probably see climbing the polls um, if they're not already kind of ranked towards the tier end uh, or the, the bottom end. Wake Forest is one. They're 9-0. and um, They've got a three-headed monster weekend rotation with Rhett Lauder, Teddy McGraw, Josh Hartle. Hartle's the Saturday guy, Lauder's Friday. Um, and then they can really swing it too. They've got, they've, they have a good mix of young guys and veterans. Their young guys are Nick Kurtz, uh, Danny Corona, and their veterans are guys like Brennan Tinsman, Brock Wilkin, who's going to be a top 10 overall pick next year, probably. Um, they're a team to really watch in the ACC. And also another team is Tulane, the Green Wave. They're kind of always in the mix. Um, they can really pitch. They've got a good weekend rotation with Dylan Carmooch and Carter Robinson. They've taken the lead in the rotation. Carmooch has been nearly spotless. He's allowed just, I think, one run over 13 innings. And then the lineup, they've got Luis Avilas, uh, Bennett Lee, and then Chase Engelhard. They, those are two teams that are unranked by some outlets that are, I think, are on the cusp of getting ranked. Um if they're not already. And Tulane's got a huge series with Mississippi State this weekend that I think is going to wake a lot of people up. I think that was a good intro because I think it goes to show that you know everything about college baseball and you can just <laughs> rattle off names from like Tulane and, you know, the DH for Tulane. And, uh, you know, you could go through them all. But Ben, what do you think? Um, who are some early surprisers? Because, you know, yeah. Pete kind of ran through them all already, but there's yeah. probably definitely some that you like. Yeah, absolutely. So I do want to hit on this because, you know, you were so high on them, Peter. Uh, Long Beach State, after yeah. coming up how hot, not, not so good the last Not good week. at all, oh, dude. And three three losses to Sacramento State, not great. Ugh, no. And um, another, you know, not so much of a surprise, but Notre Dame, they were ranking on D1 Baseball and Baseball America's top list. Like high, some of them had them higher than 13 in the early projectings or, or what people thought they were going to be projecting. And they're, um, they're 5-1-1 right now. But they really haven't played anyone yet, so I still want to see what they're going to do. But I'm happy to see that they are playing up to potential so far. But only wins uh, this week came against Marist and Monmouth. So, you know, good D1 teams, but nothing to the caliber of what they'll see when they get into conference play. Um, and then, of course, uh, Miami has been great. I love watching Miami. And then something I'm surprised, keep more surprised at is um, East Carolina. You know, they started off getting swept by Bryant and then this week two and two. So a little bit of bounce back, but um, they beat Campbell then lost to North Carolina for two games. So just a surprise that I thought they were going to have a huge bounce back and they really haven't just staying middle of the pack. So I'm pretty sure they're going to drop out of the top 25 this upcoming week. Yeah, due to that. So I just saw they did just drop out of the top 25. Um, I think ECU and Duke are the latest to drop out of the top 25 on D1 baseball. Um, I could be wrong about that. I just read that this morning. Maybe, you know, it's not a fully updated, but it, it said Duke and ECU were the teams to fall off. And Duke is definitely a team that has a lot of buzz around them every year, not only because they're Duke, but because they're routinely talented year in and year out. So, Pete, I'm going to throw that to you because Ben kind of covered the ECU thing. What's going on with Duke University right now? Well, I will say, one, it's early, and Chris Pollard's teams always seem – they have a tendency of getting hot at the exact right time. If you reference last year, they went on – I think they rattled off 12 straight between their last two or three series, and then they rolled through the ACC tournament. Kind of got a tough draw in a regional after doing all that. I think they were the – Two were the three seed down in Knoxville. They faced a Tennessee team in a hitter's ballpark. 
Um, and then they got a tough right state team and then a Liberty team. That's always really good. So that was a really, I would say disappointing draw after all of that with the talent they had, I kind of thought they were geared towards an Omaha run. Um, but it's early. I think they're dealing with some guys being banged up. They do have the talent. Like you said, they were dealt another tough hand earlier this fall. They lost a really highly regarded arm in Henry Williams. You got Tommy John. He's out for the year. Um, RJ Shrek, I know, has been out of the lineup for the last four to five games. Um, he was the guy last year who hit three home runs in a game. He became sort of a household name. It was a good blessing for Duke. He went undrafted. He, he kind of came back to be the catalyst of that lineup. Um, they have the talent there, and they're, they are also young. They're starting super freshman Alex Mooney at uh, shortstop, and he's hitting leadoff it's so rare to see a freshman come in regardless of their talent level, especially as a hitter and kind of hit the ground running it did regardless of the talent, kind of like I was saying um, there's such a maturity gap physically and mentally between a freshman, like an Alex Mooney or a Cody Schreier on UCLA, two guys who were regarded as potential top three round picks last year when they step into a box against a 22 year old, even against like a VCU who Duke was facing, it's just the VCU, the VMI guy has been there before. He knows how to pitch. Mooney's his first time they play at the DBAP big park. Um, he's just kind of getting his feet under him. I think they'll be fine. They've got Luke Fox, who is a really good arm, Marcus Johnson, Cooper Stinson in midweeks. And then in the back end, they've got a, uh, a donkey Adam Boucher who's got a big arm he's been up to 96 97 I think it's just a matter of them finding their stride like they do every year again they couldn't have a better guy at the helm than Chris Pollard um, and they've got the talent to boot so I'm not too worried about Duke yet I know they would prefer to get off to a better start not drop a series at Baylor and then struggle against ECU in a midweek but once they get into conference play and get some of those guys healthy and experience necessary I think they'll be okay hard not to be confident in Duke right hard yeah, not at, to be confident it, Duke it's early exactly people were kind of playing the same tune last year with uh they were off to a slow start in conference play they were on the bubble they were on the outside looking in and then they rattled off 15 straight so if we get down to April and we're still kind of having this conversation I still might not write them off just yet but I wouldn't press the panic button just yet good and I assume you're not pressing the panic button with ECU either <laughs> maybe you are a little different answer there, maybe. I, I think it's a little bit of a different story at ECU. Again, these are two schools with really good coaching staffs. Um, Cliff Godwin at ECU is another guy. He came over from being an assistant at Ole Miss. Really highly regarded name, was tossed around to maybe jump to LSU this, um, this past summer. Um, but again, it looks like Carson Wisenhunt, whatever is going on there, they're going to be without him for a while. Uh, and I think that they're preparing to move forward without them for the time being. Um, I hope for their sake that gets resolved. Um, and then their, their lineup has hit pretty well. They've got a guy, their first baseman, who's kind of the guy, um, Josh Moylan. He's off to a slow start, but he was a freshman All-American last year, hit 315. I don't know the exact stats, but he hit 315 with 10 jacks, um, and he's just he, – the sample sizes are so small. Like if we're at this point in the season where an offer or like a three for game will raise or drop a guy's average by 200 to 250 points. I really don't like to look at 
their stats. You kind of just can see how they're doing approach wise. If they're finding a barrel, I think, again, it's just a matter of finding their stride. They're a good team with a good coach. And I think they're going to be fine once they get into AAC play, which has turned into a really tough conference, especially as of late, you've got ECU, Tulane, UConn, Wichita state is always good. Um, It's, it's going to be a fun conference season there. And I think that they're going to play really good. Also, UConn is definitely not in the AAC. They're in the big East. So, but AAC is still really good and a conference to watch. So before, um, obviously with um, tournament play, and there's a lot of things that we have to, you know, get settled, but we do have the top 10 currently. Number one is Texas and number 10 is Florida State. And there's a couple of teams mixed in the middle there. So let's start and I'm, we're going to start overrated or underrated. So let's start with number 10, Florida State. Ben, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Overrated or underrated? Yeah, so on my notes originally, I have overrated written down, and I might still stick to that. But after doing some even more uh, deeper diving, um, you know, Ryan Miller has one of their starting pitchers, Bryce Hubbard, in his mock draft, and I completely agree. Um, he's absolutely been crazy so far with 11 innings pitched and 22 strikeouts. I mean, crazy K per nine, and he's only walked one guy. You know, I love that. And what's crazy to me is he's only 5'11", but when he gets going, he's up to 94. So far, only hitting the high 80s, but um like 88 89 but right he can get it up there to 94 and 82 percent of his strikeouts come from fastballs I mean he's a guy for them and then their other starting pitcher Parker Messick I absolutely love this guy he's nasty six foot 235 pounds I mean there's the definition of mass equals gas about 12 <laughs> innings pitch for him with 24 strikeouts another insane K per nine so like I look at their team and I absolutely love their pitching they do I mean, they have a really solid team top to bottom, but their pitching stands out to me. Um, in my eyes, they just don't – I mean, they, they can't hit like crazy. I just don't know. Based on the competition they've played, I don't have them at number 10. I might have them like 11 or 12. So that's the reason why – Slightly overrated. I, I really don't want to label them as overrated because I really do think they're a great team. But like a team I might put ahead of them would be um, a team that Pete mentioned early, earlier, Oregon State. But so I would say slightly overrated, but since it's just the overrated underrated, I'm going to have to slap that tag on them, unfortunately. Parker Messick just looks like a nightmare for left-handed hitters. Yeah. I mean, he's dropping down, you know, one of the lowest arm angles, I think, in college baseball, throwing 91 at your neck. And then he's got that breakaway slider. I mean, he looks phenomenal. And starting pitching wins championships, Pete. So is Florida State overrated or underrated in number 10? I promise I'm not just disagreeing with you, Ben, for the sake of disagreeing. Um, I, I actually think they're underrated. I, I can see where Ben's at with dropping a tough one on Sunday, I think, to Samford and then a midweek game to Jacksonville. Um, but like you said, that pitching staff is super loud from top to bottom. That, in my mind, they're the best team, the best pitching staff in the country. Hubbard, Messick, Montgomery, and then you have guys in the bullpen and who are kind of in that midweek role who could slot in on a Sunday. Um, Jackson Knees is one. Uh, Wyatt Crowell's one. Highly touted freshman Jackson Baumeister is another one. The list goes – Andrew Armstrong, another freshman. The list goes on and on and on. Hubbard and Messick are the best Friday-Saturday duo in the country, for my money's worth. Hubbard, just one pitcher of the month. And Ben touched on all the pluses about them. And then their lineup right now. Wait, I wait, Pete, I got to stop you. Better than Texas? Oof, not better than. Yeah. <laughs> oh, pitching wise, yeah, better than Texas. You think those two are better than the guys with Pete Hansen and? I, I think, think I think 
Hanson and Witt, and again, this isn't a knock on them or anyone else. They're all American arms. Each of them will end up on an all American team, Tanner Witt probably first when it's all said and done, Hanson second or third. Um, but Hubbard and Messick, I think, are the best one two punch in the entire country. I don't, that's I, it's, it's high praise, but I think they're going to live up to it. They already have. Uh, Hubbard and Messick definitely have. Hubbard, I think, is spotless. He has like 22 punch outs in 11 innings. Not a big deal. Um, their lineup, they're going to be geared on, again, sort of a blend of experience and new guys. Jaime Ferrer and James Tibbs are the two freshmen to watch. Ferrer and Tibbs are, they've hit the ground running. Tibbs is a big time lefty power bat. He'll slot in in a first baseman. He'll slot in at first base in a corner outfield. Ferrer, the backstop. And then two transfers, Brett Roberts from Tennessee Tech and Alex Terrell from Miami. Um, and Brett Roberts may be the best pure hitter on the team. I know my Katua bias could get in the way, but <laughs> he can really swing it. He's a guy who's got great feel for the barrel. He'll spray to all fields. Um, and he's an average tick above at third base on defense. And then Terrell, we all know about his raw power. I'm kind of beating a dead horse with talking about it. Um, but I think if they can hit enough, they're going to be a really tough team to draw on a regional super regional. And then if they get to Omaha, it all comes down to at the end is pitching. Are your arms healthy? Do you have enough guys ready to go? Some teams just run out of arms. They're never going to run out of arms. There's not, I think a single arm that if Mike Martin looks down at the bullpen and is ready to call on, I don't think there's a single arm they're worried about. Um, so long story short, I think they're underrated and I, and I think they get to Omaha. I wouldn't be surprised if they get to Omaha either. Like we said, starting pitching wins championships. And it's not just the two guys at the front. It's the depth of pitching that they can go to anybody that they want to. My only thing I would say, you know, just to be a little bit different. I actually think they're pretty properly rated at number 10. I think to your point, Pete, and your point, Ben, I think the offense might struggle a little bit, but the pitching is so pristine. So let's move on to number nine, Mississippi State, the reigning champs. And if we're talking pitching, Landon Sims, the, I mean, Pete, is he not the best pitcher in college baseball right now? Overrated or underrated? Sims, I, I would say is properly rated. I, if, if you were to call him the best pitcher in college, I don't think anyone would give you any pushback um, between one, his mentality on the mound, which I think is a big time separator in players. Um, he's got that fu attitude nobody's better than me and and i'll i'll shove it um so i think he's properly rated as the best college arm um out there right now i think what about mississippi state oh at ninth i'd say severely overrated wow and no to your to your point on that um we were talking on not gambling advice and colby came up with um one of these trends for a team that could win the college world series and the reigning champ has almost no success in the next year. And you don't think Mississippi State is going to find success in Omaha, even if they could get there. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I think I could be <laughs> alone feel, in this Pete. camp. I think I could be <laughs> alone in this camp, but in my personal top 25, I wouldn't have them ranked right now. Wow yeah wow they're really really struggling and the schedule so far it's it has not been all that tough uh i i think anytime you open up with long beach and this isn't a knock on long beach or teams like southern miss who 
who probably will make a regional. Um, Eric Valenzuela does a really good, really good job there. And they have a roster loaded with talent. Um, and I also think Sac State is better than people give them credit for. Um, long, the thing is, is they're, they're struggling against teams like Northern Kentucky. They, they lost on Friday night with Sims on the bump, not any fault of Sims. Defense kind of struggled behind them a little bit. Um, Sunday, they failed to break away against them. They had a midweek game against Grambling State. Uh, they won two to one, and then they got pumped by Southern Miss last night. Um, the bats are, I think, the biggest red flag is there's really little to no source of, I don't want to say offensive upside because a lot of these guys do have upside. Logan Tanner is one who will probably be a day one pick, if not in the first round. Cameron James over on the left side of the infield, he's been um, really good for them. Um, true freshman Hunter Hines is going to be really good. I, I'm a, he's a guy I'm super high on. Um, so I, I think it is time to panic a little bit because uh, these aren't exactly, they didn't open up going to the Shriners College Classic or, you know, to any of the other kind of loaded preseason tournaments, Round Rock Classic. I, yeah. I, I don't know. This weekend series against Tulane is going to say a lot at Tulane. It's a really tough park to play in. It's a really good team. And I would not be shocked if one of Tulane took the series and I wouldn't completely roll out a sweep. These next five games are going to say a lot for Mississippi State. They've got three against Tulane. And I think they have a midweek series at the dude against Texas Tech. Um, if they go four and one, I I wouldn't, I would probably almost do a complete shift in my tune. Um, say there's no worries. It's just kind of early season um whatever it is getting the rest off which is why it's so tough to judge teams this early because they could rip off easily with the talent they have 12 straight um but i don't know i i'm worried about them ben i feel like you're 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 talking the same tune there you also think mississippi yeah. state's a bit overrated because I, I, I definitely think they're overrated i think that's pretty clear um southern miss though you got to give them credit six and two so that's a good team I, I honestly, I thought it was going to be a, a toss up between them anyway, but the other teams they played, I mean, Pete hit it, you know, exactly what you want to say. I'm going to be honest with my little notes I made. I just copied and pasted exactly what Pete said from the group chat last night. Cause it just sums up everything perfectly. Logan Tanner is a spotlight. Uh, I actually personally love Logan Tanner. He's my favorite college catcher. Um, and then Landon Sims, I, I think you could claim him as the best pitcher in college. Um, we did the first week. Uh, obviously there's a lot of other competition there, but he's definitely one of the best, but overall they're just not hitting. And aside from Landon Sims, like, like Pete said, there's just not much there. I mean, I completely agree. I don't know if they're completely out of my top 25, just because the baseball rankings are so different than like per se, like a, a college rankings where it's week to week and can completely change, but baseball, you almost want to project a little bit. So I do think they could turn it around, but I mean, if it was just solely based on what's happened and nothing in the future, I, they're not in my top 25. Yeah, Pete, when you said that they weren't in your top 25, I thought you might be smoking on something before you came onto this podcast. But no, I, you know what? Maybe not. You know, they'd probably be in my top 25, but I, I'm with you. I'm nervous about this team. I mean, the offense is not showing up in droves yet. And behind, you know, their, their big gun in Landon Sims, there's not a ton to be super excited about, but, you know, we've covered Mississippi State. Let's move on to number eight, NC State. Ben, overrated or underrated? I think they're perfectly rated, honestly, right where they are. Um, 
they they just lost a tough one against Campbell last night. Uh, Zach Nito closed it out, which was awesome. I'll talk about him a little bit later in the podcast. But, I mean, their offense is absolutely insane. I mean, everyone knows Tommy Tanks, Tommy White. We talked about him and not gambling vice. Everywhere you look, it's just Tommy White this, Tommy White that. And for good reason, for good too. Reason. Yeah. For great reason. <laughs> I mean, he's going off. But, I mean, you said it when we went over – uh, not gambling vice. He's not even the best average hitter on the team, right? I mean, JT Jarrett, uh, Lou James Grover, they're unstoppable. They just hit and hit. Um, and you know, the pitching, the pitching's been there for them too. So I think they're perfectly rated. Um, I'll let I'll let Pete take over and maybe say what he thinks. Uh, but last thing I'll say is maybe they move up a spot or two, like one or two spots. But I think right where they are is pretty good for them. Pete, you agree? Yeah, I, I, I stick with Ben and that they're properly rated. I, I don't think last night's loss is a huge cause for concern. It, Campbell is a lot better than their three and six record. Um, they're, I think, going to roll through the Big South. They've got, in my mind, the best one-two punch bar none in the Big South with um, Thomas Harrington and Cade Kuehler. Um, and they're probably, they're an underrated duo. They're not going to get as much hype because they don't go to a clouded school or anything, but they're a top 10, one, two starting pitching duo in, in the country, in my mind, if they were in the SEC, nasty. they'd be, they'd be getting national attention. Harrington will be a day one pick when all is said and done. And then Zach Neto is Zach. It's crazy. He's almost a household name at this point, at least in our, in our little world he is, but no, I I'd say NC state's properly rated. And they're kind of a reverse Florida State. Florida State is built mm -hmm. on pitching. Pitching is going to carry them through Omaha. If they want to get to Omaha, pitching will carry them. They're not going to be beating teams 12 to 8, 12 to 9. But NC State is the kind of team that will probably get in those de facto shootouts. Ben touched on it a lot with the lineup. I don't really have to say anything about Tommy White at this point. I think his, his results have done all the talking that we need. Um, and then again, top to bottom, I was fortunate enough to go to a couple of their games. I was visiting my girlfriend. Um, they, you have sick no sick flags. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have, yeah, no, that's why I'm, that's why I have a nice like backdrop is I'm not as culture as this. So yeah, yeah, that's not mine, but no, you have no breaks in that lineup. Ben talked about it. JT Jarrett, uh, Gino Groover, Devonte Brown, Noah souls, Josh hood, Don Palali, like, I, there it's are insane. no breaks and and they're the beneficiary much like tennessee they play in a launch pad absolute launch pad the wind when i walked in on friday and saturday the flags were they were blowing straight out and like you could hit a if you don't even barrel a ball with the caliber hitters these guys have i mean it's gonna go which it could be a little bit of an issue when they get into kind of conference play in the acc but there there's not an offense maybe in the country that could go punch for punch with them. They're, they're going to have no issue again, getting into these shootouts and it's all going to come down to starting pitching. Their weekend staff is actually pretty good. Um, really good actually. Um, and it's better than people give them credit for you go Friday to Sunday, you go high Phil Willardson, Harrison, Harrison's a fastball change, more of a finesse guy. You've been good so um, far. Yeah, they've been good. And it's all just going to come down to these midweek games, kind of finding a guy to, you know, I would say be dependable in that midweek role. So far, it's looked like Logan Adams has taken that role on, who's a good pitcher. And um, again, 
people will overreact just looking at Campbell's record. They're a really good team. That's not a, in my mind, a bad loss. Um, and then in the back end, a guy who has had his COVID year get cut short like everyone. And then last year wasn't as much of a name just due to, I think the numbers that he put up, they, if people were to look at his stats, they'd be like, Oh, you know, there's not really much, but they have one of the best back end guys, I think in Chris Villeman. He is a short, stocky lefty with an explosive delivery and fastball. Once you get an ACC play, he'll be the guy you see in the eighth and ninth. And so I think they're properly, if not underrated, again, it's all going to come down to the pitching. Um, if they have enough depth to sustain a run through a regional, super regional, and I know they're on a big time mission to get back to Omaha, so is everyone, but them especially for obvious reasons. Um, so I, I agree with Ben in that they're properly rated, if not a little underrated. And we got a lot to cover. So, and we got a bunch more teams left, some guys, players to watch. Um, so let's start, just go straight into number seven, LSU. You know, they have Dylan Cruz, who mm. looks like he could yeah, be in Kendall. the big leagues right now. One one like, in 2023, easily. Yeah, easily. Like he mm. is, he is a and and He's Pete and Ben, maybe and maybe, you know, maybe this is going too far, but he seems like a generational type bat to me. So he Ben, is. I'll throw it to you first overrated or underrated with LSU I'm happy we got here they're underrated in my eyes um they're definitely going to move up in the top 25 uh like the, if you look at the teams they've played they haven't played the highest level of competition but it doesn't matter because they've absolutely crushed everyone Dylan Cruz and Jacob Berry insane uh Berry has four home runs and like you know you said all that about Dylan Cruz and I completely agree I'm looking at a swing and I'm like I don't know if it's completely accurate, but he's almost like a shorter right-handed version of uh, Bryce Harper. That's what I see his swing is like, especially with the the way he sets up in the box. And I mean, he has crazy three bat speed. crazy bat speed. He he can fly around the bases. He's he's got pop. I mean, their lineup just absolutely rakes. And then their pitching's been really good too. I mean, Blake Money, he's been money. He's been money. <laughs> and he, he has been shed. Money. He has. Uh, I think it's uh he has fourteen. There's no 17 strikeouts in 14 innings, no earned runs. He's only given up four hits and three walks, not too shabby. Their whole staff has been pitching really well. Um, I mean, Ty Floyd, too, uh, 10 innings, 13 Ks, uh, 1-8 ERA. I mean, they're just doing everything right. They're definitely underrated. And you were uh, chomping at the bit there, Pete, to talk about Dylan Cruz. What's up? You like him? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> he's not bad. Uh, no, <laughs> The lineup, I think, is top to bottom, probably the best in the country right now. Um, all Better than C State, you think? Yeah, I think, and that's, again, not a knock. I just think LSU is that good. They're going to have three USA guys with, well, actually two. Cruz and Morgan will definitely go to Team USA this summer. Um, Jordan Thompson has a chance in their team again. Top to bottom, you get zero rest. Cruz, Barry, and Morgan make that team go. And then you look at the left side of the infield with Jordan Thompson at shortstop. He has a bazooka arm, and he's also found the bat this year, which was a which was going to be a big thing for him, I know. Um, and he's off to a really good start who isn't on that team. Um, but again, kind of keeping it short and sweet, Ben touched on it too. Their pitching staff is, I think, a little bit better than NC State, which is why if there was a gun to my head and you told me to pick the national champion. It would be LSU right now. 
Money, Floyd, and Javen Coleman are their three guys. Money and Floyd, their big one-two punch. And then what I'm excited for once we get into conference play is these back-end arms to emerge. There hasn't really been much of a need for a lot of these top teams to use their closers. We saw a little bit of Aaron Nixon on Texas, but guys like Chris Villeman and then LSU has Eric Rieselman, San Francisco transfer, had a really good summer on the Cape. Um, he's going to be a guy who explodes for them and is going to be a key reason why I think they'll win the national championship. So underrated because they're my number one team in the country. Wow. Number one team in the country. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't really hate it either. I would also probably call them underrated. I feel like maybe I was sleeping on them for no particular reason. You know, there was just a couple other teams that, you know, shot out of the gate early um, that I kind of latched on to Oregon State, Oklahoma State, teams like that. And, you know, I just kind of never gave LSU their due. But lately, how can you not? So let's move on to number six, the Stanford Cardinals. This is a good team with some MLB talent. Pete, I'll throw it to you first. Stanford, overrated or underrated? I hate it because it sounds like a cop-out. I'm going to say properly rated at six. Um, Not cop-out. We're properly (laughs) rated sometimes. (laughs) I think people will will look a little bit too much at their midweek game against uh, UTSA and and Sally Alarms, but midweek games are such a – I, I don't want to say crapshoot, but it's they're so weird. I know Stanford was trying to rest a couple guys and get some fresh legs out there after just having a really big weekend down at the Round Rock Classic. They had, I think, four games in three days or three games in three days. They rolled through that, beating three good teams. Um, again, if you look at the pitching staff, it starts with Quinn Matthews from the left side, a guy who is a really special talent. Fastball has taken a jump from this summer through this fall and now to this spring. He's been up to 94. Changeup is plus. He's got really good feel for a breaking ball. Um, and the lineup is – and also on the pitching side, they've got guys in the bullpen, Tommy O'Rourke, Ryan Bruno, and then Joey Dixon. Dixon's a pitchability guy, but compete level is off the charts. He plays really big. Um, Bruno is from the left side. He's been up to, I think, 100 this year. Um, super explosive fastball, great summer in the Cal Collegiate League. The one bugaboo for him from last spring into this spring was command. So far, so good. He harnessed it this summer and he's continuing that. Um, and then if you look at the lineup, it, I think it has to start with Brock Jones in center field, freak so athlete. So, so he is so like, good. If you think he looks like a football player, it's because he was the free he safety is. at Stanford. Yeah, too, he is. Freshman. <laughs> <laughs> and, Again, not a bit came in, started at free safety and center field. Whatever. I like that comment. Um, I like that Yeah. Combat. He's off to a slow start, but again, we're at a stage where if he goes three for four tomorrow, he's hitting 320. So that's why I really like Stanford. I feel like their best guys haven't fully gotten going yet. Ben, what do you think yeah. about Stanford? Yeah, no, that you said that's completely right. Their best guys haven't got it going yet. Um Pete mentioned Quinn Matthews. I think he's like a prime Patrick Corbin. I think I think that's what he reminds me of. Wow. That's personally. I just the lefty, the the slider and the curveball he's got. And then, you know, he's got a little more juice than Patrick Corbin does now with this fastball. I like him. He's he's a lot. He went six innings against Arkansas, striking out 10. That I mean was a huge testament to that. I mean, Arkansas dude, Patrick was, Corbin in the MLB last year had a six ERA. Could he go up in the major leagues and have at least a six ERA right now? You can't get any worse. 
I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, but their lineup, even though their best guys haven't got it, they still have five guys with an OPS over 920. I think two or three with the OPS over 1,000. Um, one of those guys being Brett Barrera, and he can just flat out hit. He's hitting 429 right now with a double, triple, and two homers. And looking at his swings, um, looking at his recent homers, he's got what Peter would say, donkey pop. And he reminds me of Vladdy Daddy. <laughs> Let's go, donkey pop. Also, I'd be remiss if I did not mention super freshman Braden Montgomery. I don't know if Ben was going to. He's a legit two-way guy up to 96 on the bump. Ooh. Hitting, I think, over 300 right now. He's going to be a guy to watch. And again, it's their starting us, rotation is what usually makes them go. Drew Dowd, their Sunday guy, he's kind of already jumped onto the scene. He will even more so as we get into Pac-12 play. Lefty guy with great feel to pitch. A lot of these guys in college, you see them, they got big velo, good stuff. They just kind of throw. This kid really knows how to pitch. He's going to be a guy for him that's a household name at the end of the year. Yeah. So so Vanderbilt's at number five. And you guys got to answer this for me because I think they're overrated. You lose Jack Leiter, you lose Kumar Rocker. And I know they're always in it. They're always in it and should probably, I guess, be ranked in the top 10. But personally, I don't know if I'm putting them in my top 10 right now. Vanderbilt, I think they're overrated. Pete, do you agree or disagree? I hate to keep saying properly rated. I with with really? Corbin and the talent they have, and and for my money's worth, Corbin's the best coach in the country. Um, and then you've got pitching coach Scott Brown, who and they just crank out arms year they're after year. They're pretty good at doing that. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all right at it. <laughs> so I'd say properly rated at five. They're again a team that kind of got off to a. You know what? I'm not even going to say a slow start because I when we get to Oklahoma state, you'll hear my thoughts on them. They're, they're off to a fine start. Um, and Enrique Bradfield's one he's of the so, most electrifying so players. Cool. He's, he's got probably the most electric ba- player in college. Do you baseball. think he's the fastest baseball player alive? Is, uh, is Terrence Gore still around? I mean, <laughs> but it's it hard goes not to, to. They he's, had him he's at up a there. He's got 80 speed. He's got 80 speed. Like he does have legit eight speed. Um, they've got him. Spencer Jones is a guy who dealt with the injury bug a little bit his first two years. And again, you see a lot of these true COVID freshmen from 2020 who are now just kind of starting to get the experience that bodies showing up. Yeah. So yeah, like Spencer Jones is a guy. <laughs> exactly. Carter Young, um, glove for a shortstop. He's been and bad he, though. He but he hasn't. He's three errors so far. I mean, I know it's yeah, not that many games, but he's, he's supposed. Good. That's supposed to be why he's so good. He's scaring me a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I think Ben and I will disagree. I'm I'm gonna stay. I'll, I'll stay pat with the doors. I think their pitching is gonna carry him. Um, you've got McElmaine, Maldonado, Riley, Little, Holton, Berkwich. Mm-hmm. I mean. I could sit here and take up the rest of the podcast talking about Vanderbilt pitching. I think they're going to be just fine. If we get an SEC play and they lay a few eggs, I might revisit it, but they're fine. Yeah. So I, I agree. I don't think they're properly rated. I do think they're overrated. I still personally would put them in the top 10 because of the pitching. But I mean, especially, I think most outsiders would look at it and be like, oh, they weren't supposed to hit. I mean, they weren't supposed to pitch at all. They were only going to hit. I mean, the Carter Young draft guy, no one really, everyone thought he was going to do that. And Dom King was not so much power, but it's kind of been the opposite. And when, when they don't hit, they pitch. And when they don't pitch, they hit. But the pitching has been really good. 
And Patrick Riley and Hunter Owen have only come out of the pen and they've been electric. There are guys that can go on a Sunday roll later in the season in the college world series. It's really going to help them. I completely agree with Pete. Um, they're going to, their pitching is going to carry them. But what scares me is their, is their starting lineup there the right now. Cause only three out of the nine guys who are in the starting lineup currently have a hitting are hitting over um, 300. When you see other teams like this, like in the top 10, they're hitting, you know, they have guys hitting yeah. 400 right That's now. What I'm saying. And I, and I know it's so early and we, like, you don't want to put too much weight in it, but I would like to see more than three guys hit a little bit better. And Cardi Young what hitting the, 190 is not great. <laughs> why the fuck are they five? Why the fuck are they five? It I doesn't make any sense. They're I would be just, happy if they were Vanderbilt, so they, they have 10. to be at five. But right now, there are better teams in the top 10 than Vanderbilt right now. And these yeah, rankings yeah. are right now. Yeah. Whatever. I guess I'm wrong. But I don't <laughs> feel like I'm wrong because they're not performing like a top 10 team, Pete. Would you be happy if they were like seven? No. I don't think they should be top 10. <laughs> wow. Not right now. Right and aren't now. these rankings supposed to be the best teams in college baseball right now? I understand that you're projecting Vanderbilt to be a better team, and maybe they will finish in the top 10. I think they actually will. But if we're talking right now, they're just not a top 10 team, Pete. I, I think the bats, um, I know statistically right now, they're lagging behind some of the other teams you look at. You know, you see. Yeah, they're not LSU. hitting the ball like other teams are. <laughs> and state. I think they have a couple of get-right series coming up. They go to Hawaii on yeah. the islands for four home against Wagner next weekend for three. I think that's where a lot of these guys are going to kind of get their footing hit for the power and the average they're expected to Dom Keegan, Carter Young, Spencer Jones will continue to rake Bradfield. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the, I would say anxiety surrounding their lineup won't completely go away because it is against two lesser teams that they will take care of business of. And then they roll right into conference play. They open up looking a little bit down the road two weeks from now. They go to, they, they get Missouri, who's a team that's going to, I think, surprise some people in the SEC. Then they go to South Carolina and Tennessee. So we'll find out in about three weeks um, the answer to the debate. We will. And, and moving on to number four, a team that on the opposite, I freaking love. They are loaded, and it's hard to be underrated at number four, but they just might be. That's Oklahoma State. Ben, I'll throw it to you first. Overrated or underrated for Oklahoma State? Yeah, so, you know, you didn't. I didn't think about it that way. Underrated at number four, that, that, that is tough. They yeah, might be like, properly rated, but, yeah. just, on, but just, just on public perception, I'm going to go underrated. I, I'm fine if they stay at number four. I think that's a great rating for them. But when you when you look at them at first, no one expected them to be at number four, I don't think. Uh, they started off the year taking two out of three from Vanderbilt, which at the time was the number five ranked team, still is. And then they took two uh, – like swept Arizona state in a two game set. Arizona state's not too hot right now, but you know, it's still Arizona state. Um, their lineup has been consistent. All they do is hit. They're just getting on base and mashing singles and doubles. Um, if there's any concern, it's the pitching, but the line was, they've just been a consistent team so far. You know, everything top to bottom has been consistent, which has led them to, to do really well. Um, one guy I want to uh, pick out is the grad student Griffin Dorshing. He's going off right now, hitting 421 in his OPS is 1.417. Insane. He's doing really well. Uh, and they just have guys like that who aren't necessarily mashing home runs, but they're hitting high average and hitting doubles and triples, and they're just doing everything right right now. But, Pete, the only, only concern possibly about Oklahoma State is the pitching staff. So do you yeah, think yeah. they're underrated or overrated? 
Well, I think I'm, I'm with you guys. I think they're underrated because they're in my mind, they're my number two team right behind Ooh, LSU. Love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I think they're legit. Their, their rotation of Medeiros, Osmond or Medeiros, Campbell, Osmond is again up there with at least on paper and pure stuff wise, they're on par with anyone in the country. Justin um, Campbell is so sick. Six, Campbell seven, is two way guy. Unbelievable. 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 And, and, and Josh Holiday does such a great job there recruiting and getting after it in the portal. You Ben touched on it. He brought in Griffin Dorshing. You want to talk about donkey pop? I mean, <laughs> if you're listening, go to his Instagram. It. He looks like so if you had to guess his name, you'd probably guess like Griffin Dorshing within like four or five names. He is he is absolutely mashing for them. He looks the part and he is he he's a guy I want in my dugout. Six six four two fifty one absolute tank. If I look into the if I look into the third base dugout and I see Dorshin come up with a with an XL shirt that looks like a medium and pit vipers on, I'd probably just pack it up and get back on the bus. He's got um, Luke and Baker vibes, but like better. <laughs> he makes Luke and Baker look small and yeah, like again, that's crazy. and and he's not even like it's all muscle. He's built like a house. Yeah. Um, and again, Rich it doesn't house. even really end with Dorshing. Jake Thompson brings a lot of experience. He's a fifth year eligibility wise, um, fourth year actually playing. And a lot of it comes down to these guys who've been there and know what it's like, who can take these young, highly touted freshmen like Rock Riggio under their wing. And so Rock Riggio is a guy right now from the small, small, even minuscule sample isn't doing as well as he would hope. Um, but he's a guy in big 12 play. You're going to see heat up. We talk about the rotation and they're a team that plays with swag. They went down to the Hawk. They took two of three from Vandy and they were, they were fired up. They were not afraid at all to go down there. They weren't afraid to play Vanderbilt. Um, they're going to be a team that they, they fear nobody. And I think that's big. And I, and I think it's going to carry them to Omaha. Oklahoma State might come away with the College World Series in 2022. Let's get to number three, Arkansas. Hmm. With Peyton Paulette, they might have gone undefeated. Literally, this team is so freaking loaded. At number three, it's hard to say underrated or overrated, but I kind of want to say underrated because I, I still think they're the second best team in the country, but they did just drop two games. So Ben, overrated or underrated for the University of Arkansas? Yeah, two games, dropped them, don't panic. I think they're perfectly rated at number three. Um, if you look at their losses, it just, you know, they haven't played complete baseball yet. They have some guys that are going off. Caden Wallace and Robert Moore are performing, not performing as well as some other top guys in the league, but they're still performing at a high level. Uh, Jalen Battles is doing really well still, too, getting a little power stroke in there. Like I said, they just haven't played complete baseball yet. Everything hasn't just completely clicked. But, you know, if you look on the paper, it's not going to look like that. It's just watching the games. I just don't think they're in it yet, but soon it's going to click and they're just going to take off even more. Um, Cole Rampage and Connor Noland have been really good for them, both having more strikeouts than any pitch, which I love in college baseball, um, especially this year, because it seems like it's just all offense for all the top teams. So it's really cool to see the pitching do that. Um, don't panic. They're either going to be a number three or number two team at the end of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, they lost to Illinois state and Stanford are, they're not bad teams. So don't worry about it. <laughs> you better not be panicking when it comes to Arkansas. Are you me? Yeah. You. 
Oh, yeah, you not at all. <laughs> Pro- properly rated three, if not slightly under. I guess properly rated because I kind of boxed myself in saying LSU and OK State were one and two. Um, so I'll say properly again. It starts with the coaching staff: Dave Van Horn, Nate Thompson, Matt Hobbs. One of the best staffs in the country, if not the best. You look at the lineup. Ben mentioned it. Some guys who haven't really quite gotten going yet will get going. I think it starts with Peyton Stovall, and it. it kind of backs up what I was saying earlier in that true freshman, it's so hard to come in and, and hit the ground running, which is why I think what Tommy White's doing is all, all that more impressive is because he's a freshman and, and people don't realize how hard it is to come in and, and make an immediate impact, especially with high expectations. He's off to a slow start, but he absolutely rakes. Um, they have him at first base because they've got obviously Bob Moore and battles up the middle. Um, but he's going to slot in at second base next year when Rob Moore leaves. And going into the draft last year, he was a guy who was getting talked about as one of the better pure hit tools in the entire class. And this was a good class, I think, for um, college bats. And he's got great feel for the barrel. Um, he really drives the ball with authority. He's got a simple setup from the left-handed side. Would not be shocked to see him go on an absolute tear in STC play. And I actually think he will. Um, and another one is Jace Borfin in the outfield. Um, he's only played in four games. I think he's a little banged up, got hit by a pitch. Um, 0 for 16 start, which is, um, you know, it's tough. But he came from Oklahoma, had a great summer on the Cape. Um, another lefty stick who I think is really going to get rolling. And then Ben talked about it, Caden Wallace, Brady Slavens. Um, I'm, I'm not worried about him at all. And then on the mound, Jackson Wiggins is, is their guy. He'll be, he'll be a USA guy again. And then Hagen Smith, another true freshman who is going to be really good. And I think a first round guy in 2024, another guy, low angle of attack, really uncomfortable at bat and can just dot up. He's got the unique ability to really pitch and the Velo is going to follow suit. So no, not worried about Arkansas properly rated, if not slightly under. Arkansas Razorbacks, Dave Van Horn. I mean, what a tenure he's had with Arkansas from 2009 to 2019. They finished with at least 40 wins in nine seasons. And in one of those seasons, they finished with 39 wins. So they're doing pretty well over there at Arkansas. How about number two, Ole Miss? I would say that they're slightly overrated, but I think that they're an easy top five team. I mean, they're freaking undefeated. So if you put them at two, I'm not, I, I don't mind that at all. Pete, Ole Miss, overrated or underrated? Rookie podcast mistake by me boxing myself into a top two when we're, when we're at like the seventh ranked team. Um, so I have to call Texas and Ole Miss slightly overrated. Um but no, I, I guess slightly overrated there again, like you mentioned a team, a lot of the teams in the top five, at least in my opinion, you can kind of shuffle them in yeah. any which way. And I really wouldn't have an issue with it. Even the top 10, I guess, Sands, Mississippi state, um, any order wouldn't really be too wild to me. Um, and again, Mike Bianco's done a great job there. Hitting wise, they've got a really good lineup. TJ McCants is an outfielder, lefty bat, sophomore eligible. He's really tooled up, great body. I think he's like 6'3, 190, can stick in center field. Um, and then up the middle, Mississippi State and middle infield. It's a really, it's a, it's a 
it's a uh, combination that has a great track record, and this year is no different. You've got Chatagne and Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob Gonzalez is a really special talent who is, if he didn't play in the same conference as Dylan Cruz and the LSU Tigers, would probably be a candidate, if not the favorite for SEC Player of the Year, but that's unfortunate for literally any other player in the SEC. <laughs> and then their pitching staff, um, Derek Diamond is a stud. Um, and then Wes Burton is kind of getting his feet back under him after not throwing early on. Strikeout last night. Yeah, he had a – I saw some on Twitter where he threw a fastball with like 26 inches of vertical break. Yeah, he, like, tweet, he tweeted that himself. <laughs> absolutely insane. That Yeah, I – I was like, holy cow. Yeah. I think that would be 99.9 percentile and and yeah. 99.9th percentile of, yeah. of, of vertical break on a fastball. He's 26. It's crazy. Unbelievable. Well, bottom line is they're um they're another team that's gonna be right in it until um you know until the end. And I think the monkey to get off of Coach Bianco's back is getting that elusive second win in a super regional and getting to Omaha. I know they've had no problem making a super regional. Um, They've lost a couple of tough ones in recent memory, but he's got incredible talent on the team. He's got a good coaching staff, one of the best college environments to watch a baseball game. They're going to be fine. And one of the most fun players to watch Taiwan Malone. I mean, six, four, three (laughs) twenty. Just an absolute train engine of a man. The, <laughs> D lineman on the football team, he'll come in and pinch it like he did when they when they want to get out of there and seven. Doesn't he kind of only home run or strike out though? Uh, Almost yes. exclusively. Literally home run <laughs> or strikeout. But he's awesome to watch, and I think they're a great team. Ben, uh Pete pretty much covered all yeah. of it, but are you where are you rating um Ole Miss? So luckily I didn't back myself into a corner. No offense, Pete, but Not I'm gonna put them. <laughs> I'm going to put them perfectly rated at number two. Um, Pete pretty much touched on everything. The only thing I want to add to it is he did touch on Derek Diamond, but I mean, he's been everything that Ole Miss had hoped for. Uh, he leads the rotation in innings pitched. He's only given up uh, two runs and he's struck out 10 guys. He's a perfect veteran leader for the staff. Uh, their pen's been really good too. Jack Dowdy has 12 strikeouts in five innings. He's nasty. And instead of a fastball. It looks like he's throwing a bowling ball out of his hands. Uh, that's how hard it goes down there. Um, and, you know, the lineup, they might be the best power hitting co- uh, lineup in college baseball. That's in Tim Elko, four home runs, absolute, uh, just nasty pop off the bat. Uh, Kevin Graham also has home uh, four home runs at the OPS over 1000. Their lineup is scary. Uh, their pitching might be underrated, but, you know, John Gaddis, the transfer has been really good. Derek Diamond, like I said, and Pete said have been really good. And then Whisper, and like Pete said, once again, is coming back and I wouldn't expect him to be firing on all cylinders. So they're perfectly rated at number two in my eyes. Agreed. Texas is the number one team in the country. University of Texas, the Longhorns, hook them and all that. Pete, I have a problem with you because the <laughs> – you were saying that these other teams, you might rate them a little bit higher, maybe LSU. But I think you're, again, smoking on something because <laughs> Texas is easily the best team in the country. They're 9-0 undefeated. Their pitching staff is loaded. Their offense is loaded. And even their best guy, Ivan Melendez, maybe he's not their best overall hitter, but he's got the most power. He, he hits tanks, so I'm going to call him that he hasn't even fully gotten going yet and they're nine and out. 
and they're about to go on a stretch. You know, March, it's coming up this weekend and then the next weekend as well that might test them a little bit. And I think they're going to roll through those teams and continue to be the best team in college baseball. Why are they not the best team in college baseball? And maybe I'm smoking something. I think in your opening pitch, you sold me, and I'm going to say properly rated and just move Come on. And move Oklahoma Come State. On. I did it. <laughs> because just hearing you talk about them and you're so right and everything and watching them play, it is hard to say that right now they they're not the so best team in the country. Fucking loaded. The, it's like the best college baseball team I've seen in a while. They're fucking loaded. They Crazy. really play well and they play the game really clean. They it looks like a professional team out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, they're built on experience. I think some of these teams are the beneficiaries of Corona in these guys get an extra year. The draft gets shortened twice. Um, they don't get the money they want. They don't get picked. So they elect to come back to school. And I think a couple of really good examples for that with Texas are Eric Kennedy and Austin Todd, two of their three outfielders, more average over pop guys at the top of the lineup. But again, you supplement that with Silas Ardwan, who, if you said he was the best defensive catcher in the country, I wouldn't have any gripes with it. And then the Hispanic Titanic, which is the best nickname in college baseball, by the way, Ivan Melendez. And then Dylan. Do you think he's the best hitter on Texas, Ivan Melendez? I know I said that. I think he is. Melendez, definitely the best power hitter. I'd say pure hitter, just hit tool Kennedy is really good he's a really good leadoff guy excellent bat to ball hand eye um he won't hit you know for much power um but Kennedy and Melendez are a great tandem that play off each other I don't even have to talk oh by the way their home run song is um like the crescendo of my heart will go on which is (laughs) electric when they get a full ballpark and it sounds insane um, and then the pitching staff, I don't even need to talk about it. Hanson yeah. Stevens. Hanson's insane. Yeah, Hansen that's the thing. Really you and Hanson is like a, as a second team guy. He's a first team guy. He's one of the best left-handed, left-handed pitchers in the entire country. He's, he's really good. And again, it, he knows how to pitch. He's a guy yeah. whose velocity is not going to be the 95, 97, 98 that you that's see. That's like 92, 91, but it still works. It plays yeah, and he's got plus pitches. He's yeah. awesome. He pitches at 89 and 92, but he's got three plus pitches and he just thoughts yeah. all of them. He knows how to pitch lefties, righties. He'll go change up slider, cur- dropping a curveball. Um, and then Tanner Witt, nothing really needs to be said. And then Hammer. Yeah, he's Team USA guy this last summer, will be again this summer, and will be a first round draft pick next year. Um, and then Aaron Nixon in the back end is a absolute fireballer and plays like it. He, I love the emotion he shows. He's an absolute dog. So you convinced me Texas is properly rated in the best team in the country. That's what the fuck I'm talking about. Come on. <laughs> All right, Ben. Yeah, I can't, I, I don't Can need to say talk? any more on that. And really. I know, I know you, I, because how could, how could you, but if you could poke a hole in Texas at all, where is the weakness? Um. I don't think it's going to be a weakness for long, but right now what stood out to me was they only have five home runs. There's teams, the other team, these other teams have like three or four guys that already have four home runs. So that, that home run song is not playing too much. That's true. It'll get going in big 12 play. It's not oh, I, I'm not worried about it. I just thought it was super surprising. <laughs> so we've been talking about college baseball for a while. So what we're going to do is instead of doing three players to watch and talk about the mock draft, 
We're going to just go straight into the mock draft because these six guys in the first 10 picks are all college bats and they're basically all the guys that you have to watch. So let's start at number 10. So remember, you can see the full mock draft over at justbaseball.com written by one of the hosts of the Boys of Spring podcast, Ryan Miller. So a guy we were just talking about on Arkansas who hasn't fully gotten going yet, but we fully expect that he will because he's probably the best second baseman in the country if you're not talking about Tamar Johnson. Colorado Rockies, number 10, they're taking Robert Moore, the second baseman out of Arkansas. Pete, what have you seen from him initially? And do you still think that he could be a top 10 pick? Yeah, absolutely. He's another guy that I think one of the big separators with him is doesn't really come in his natural tool set, but more his makeup and how he plays. Um, he plays with a lot of emotion. It's clear that he's a winner. And those are the kind of guys that you want both in your dugout in college. And then obviously when you're projecting on these guys in the draft room, I want someone like Bob Moore around my team, you know, coming up through the system. And then when he gets to the big leagues, cause he's going to be a big leaguer and an impact one. He's someone that I want. Um, and he, the, I think the, the somewhat lazy comparison based on body type and play style, at least on the dirt could be Dustin Pedroia. Um, I, I, him, though. Yeah. Doesn't he's he? got more juice. God, he's, yeah. got a, yeah. he's got a more violent swing. I think it's yeah. a swing that's geared more towards those, you know, 12 to 17 ish home runs. If, if he does end up going to the Rockies in course field, I could, I wouldn't be floored with 10 to 15 extra pounds and the tool set that he already possesses. If he ends up being a 15 to 20 home run guy, that's a, big label to put on him 20 home runs but um we're talking colorado so you never know and i and yeah i'm i'm impressed with bob moore he's going to continue to impress and he'll go in the first round whether it's 10 we'll see but he'll be a first round guy so number nine going to the kansas city royals is third baseman jacob barry i would say he is donkey pop maybe not to the level of some of these other guys but he's just got straight up pop Third base prospect, one of the best in the first round, one of the best in the entire country. Ben, what do you like about Jacob Berry? Yeah, I mean, I love third baseman going at nine. I think that's sick. I love third baseman. Jacob Berry, I mean, he's a standout for LSU. He's absolutely mashing. Um, 17 bombs last year only believes leads me to believe that he's going to go hit more this year. Um, I mean, he's switch hitter, infielder. There's really not much not to love about Jacob Berry. He's just a consistent hitter with some pop who puts a pretty good glove at third base too. So I think it's a great pick at number nine. Um, and if the Kansas City Royals, who he's projected to go to in Ryan Miller's draft, do get him, they're going to eventually have a loaded infield. <laughs> uh, they're going to have such a loaded infield with Bobby Witchinger coming up and Nick Prado at first base. But number eight, the Minnesota Twins – taking outfielder Gavin Cross from Virginia Tech, six foot three, 210 pounds. He hit 345 last year. What do you like about Gavin Cross, Pete? Well, one, you said he hit 345 last year, and then he also went to Team USA in the summer, and there are reports that he was the best hitter down there. And keep in mind, that was a roster with the likes of Jacob Berry, Dylan Cruz, um, guys of that caliber and the peop the name that everyone came away that they were wowed about 
not saying they weren't with other guys was Gavin cross. I think he hit six home runs um, hit for average. And he was facing the best college arms in the country. It's team USA. And they had a unique setup last year with the, just the inner squads, but this year he's off to a fine, he's had 19 at bats. So it, it is, he's had 19 at bats. Um, And I think he got, I think he got hit by a pitch or tweaked something early on because he was out for a week. And then they've, they've been a little hesitant with him, but he's going to be a corner outfielder who sticks in a corner outfield spot. Um, Great body. And I think that his raw power is going to be the, his calling card when it comes down to it. One issue with him, I'd say the one risk is there is going to be some swing and miss, but I don't think it's going to be a big enough issue to, to drop him significantly. And he's also a guy that um, if he does what people are projecting him to do in ACC play, he's another Mike Elias underslot candidate for the Orioles at one, one. Wow. Don't be shocked to hear his name thrown around. So I'm excited to watch Gavin cross. Ben, the Washington nationals are slated at number five to take infielder chase young out of Texas tech. He's the brother of, of course, Josh young, who unfortunately just went down with a season ending injury. It looks like for the Texas Rangers, but there's no doubt that him and his brother have crazy amounts of talent. That's why he's going within the top five. What do you like about Jace young out of Texas tech? Yeah. He's, he's honestly one of my favorite players in all of college baseball. Unfortunately right now getting off to a little bit of a slow start, he's hitting 208, but I mean, you saw what he did last year hitting well over 300 at a consistent rate. Um, He's just a consistent bat and his swing is one of the like the sickest swings I see in college baseball He's you know, he's not the biggest guy ever, but he has like a lot of power for his size um, switch hitter, I think. Right. And um, I mean, I, I just love watching him play. I really, I really do think he's going to turn it around. I mean, you look at him last year and there's no doubt that, you know, based off last year, he's going to be drafted at a high round um, uh, early in the draft rather. And I mean, dude, I mean, 21 home runs. I mean, yeah, in like six games, he had a 1.159 OPS and 21 bombs. This guy is not only just a great power hitter, but he's just a great all around hitter as well. Yeah. So let's he's going to figure it out. Let's talk about one of the best all around hitters, but he comes from James Madison. Is that even a college? <laughs> Number the four, their football powerhouse. No, yeah, the football powerhouse. Number four. Chase DeLouder or DeLuder out of James Madison, the red shirt sophomore, the six foot five guy who arm says he's got a swing like Kyle Tucker. Who the hell is this guy from James Madison? <laughs> yeah, DeLouder's a guy. Um, again, one one I, is not out of the realm of possibility. I, he has a very unique tool set. Um, the body is what stands out combined with his hit power combos he's listed at 65 230 being around him a little bit this summer i wouldn't debate that um and he's a really sneaky mover in center field or leans this summer which is where i got most of my looks at him they had him in center field worked him a little bit into a corner outfield spot and he just he glides to baseballs he's not gonna blow you away with run times um, but he's a guy who's not going to be a clogger on the base pads. He's going to be an average, at least runner, I think. And then his swing is what's so unique about him because it is incredibly low maintenance. He's got a, a, a very, I would say, 
interesting setup, especially in his lower half. I We saw a little bit against Florida State. It was maybe sliding a little bit towards first base. He was bailing out. That was like nine at-bats, and it was also against Messick and Hubbard. On the one hand, you should be like, well, you know, if he's a 1-1 guy and this is an impact big leaguer, you should not be doing that against guys like Messick and Hubbard. Um, but again, it's the first series. They're down in Tallahassee, and it's Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard. He Tough is since after starting one for nine, we'll see if I can do this quick math. He is 16 for 28. I think that's decent. It's um, all right. It's not bad it, at all. You know, he got out eight times. So how good is that? You know? <laughs> He's hitting 460. He'll win CAA player of the year there. I'm excited to see how many bags he steals because the power is going to be there all year. Um, I, I think he could put up um, depending on how much they have him run depending on how many non-extra base hits he, he, he racks up. Um, I, I think he could be a sneaky, at least like 15, 15 guy in college. That's really impressive, obviously anywhere it is, but college, especially. Um, and then his arm is also at least above average. I didn't get a great look at his arm this past summer, but on the mound, he actually threw against us and he was 90 to 92. And that's at least a tick above average. So he's, he's a special talent um a really good kid a quiet kid he doesn't really listen to the noise and yeah I, you got to be tuning in james madison he's almost worth the espn plus subscription so wow yeah it, that's high it, praise it, ESPN it says plus, a lot that uh, says a lot <laughs> yeah and we got him going to the pittsburgh pirates at number four and the number one guy i'm really excited to talk about and i don't i don't want to you know, pointed at one of you. I want all of us to talk about Brooks Lee, the shortstop out of Cal Poly, because I had an opportunity to go check out Brooks Lee last year in a full series against Hawaii, where he set the doubles record at Cal Poly. And this is a coach's son, a guy who out of high school was a great prospect, but decided to go with his dad at Cal Poly. And while Cal Poly may not get a ton of attention, you know, they play games later, they're on the West Coast. Cal Poly in itself is not that big of a baseball powerhouse, even though they produce Spencer Howard who is technically a pitcher in Major League Baseball. But Brooks Lee is the truth. He's got power. He's got speed. He's got bat to ball. He's hit every single where he's gone down to Team USA, to Cal Poly, wherever he's at, he's hitting. Pete, Brooks Lee, number one. Do you think it's possible? And do you think it's probable? And do you think it will happen? Possible, probable, will I think I know who I would be taking one one if I was in Michael Elias's shoes and a million times out of ten it's Brooks Lee and that's no knock on anyone else in this class. It's a really good class, I think. But man, he is a he's a generational type of player. He's going to stick on the left side of the infield. Um, he may profile best at third base when it um, is a big leaguer in pro. But for now, Cal Poly's rolling with him at short with no issues. And like you said, he has, he's hit at every single level. And again, this is a guy where makeup is kind of that big piece to the puzzle and separator. Um, could have gone to the draft out of high school, could have had his pick of schools, chose to stay home and stay with his dad and play for his dad. Um, I mean, he was going four for four off of Cal Poly Arms. It's like a 15-year-old as a freshman in high school just being on the program. What the hell? He's unbelievable. Um, he hits at such a high level. Um, he hits for power and average. He in 2020, he went to the Northwoods to play during like prime Corona. 
hit 320 in, in Wilmar for the Wilmar Stingers. Not a big deal. And he's a guy, again, I saw an awesome quote about him. And he was like, I don't care about the draft. I don't care about how high I go. I don't, I don't care about any of that. He said, my goals are far bigger than that. He said, I, he said, I'm going to be in the hall of fame one day, or I want to be in the hall of fame one day. Um, and I believe every single word of it. Um, he is just an absolute gamer, a, a dog. He's a generational guy. I think I maybe even like alone and how bullish I am on Brooks. No, I'm, I'm on the same team with you. I, I we think could do a Brooksley podcast and, and we can go for an hour and a half. But ben, who does Brooksley remind you of in the major leagues right now? Because I'm trying to rack my brain. And I know this the the body comp makes no sense because this guy's a lot smaller. And even moving forward, this player, I don't know how well he's going to do, but at the peak of his powers, Alex Bregman is a guy who I just feel like Brooksley kind of reminds me of with the bat. Just an absolute doubles machine that could also hit you 30 bombs. And But he's got plate discipline, right? He's not a guy who's just swinging and missing all the time. He's got great place discipline. He's going to take his walks. That's what initially it felt like to me. But the problem is that's not a great comp because Alex Bregman's like five, nine. Yeah. And um, he was, you know, he's probably a little bit quicker. I, that's not the best comp. That's just how good I see the bat being. I feel like those numbers might look like each other when Brooks Lee's eventually a big leaguer for the Orioles. Does that make sense? Or are you thinking somebody else? No, I definitely see why you would say that. Aside from the body comp, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, great, great com- um, comp right there. I-, I almost was thinking Xander Bogarts a little bit, just mm. with with like with how consistent he is with swinging. With that, you know, he can flick the doubles the other way. He still has power, and you know, you saw Xander Bogarts the past two years. His his power Bogart's really came alive. So I think I think that could be a good comp. I'm not sure based on like the swings don't really match up. Uh, like looking at him just face value he's definitely just like a bigger Alex Bregnum but I kind of like to think of him as like a future Xander Bogarts with his his, uh, maybe even like he'd be a better talent than that Pete what do you think I mean it's kind of tough I've been kind of racking my brain to find a an accurate comp for Brooksley at the major league level Um, and I haven't really found one yet that fits the mold I like what what each of you guys are saying with the Bregman and Bogarts um yeah, I, I think once we get more into the college season and, and hopefully once we get back from the MLB lockout and I can actually dig in on looking just for a body comp alone, I'll have a more accurate one. Um, but no, I, I, I like what you guys are saying about Bogarts and Bregman. And, and I think his talent level that he possesses, Brooks, is going to be in a league of his own. So. The only problem is with our comps, none of the guys we named are switch hitters. Like this guy's a yeah. switch hitter as well. And, the, and just, he hits just as good from the right as he does the left. I, I think his lefty swing is a little bit better, but he, he's not a liability. It's That's crazy. what I saw too. I saw him hit from both sides of the plate. Both looked phenomenal. Like he's going to be such a good hitter. So that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. I want to thank Pete Flaherty and Ben Bellotti, Coast co-hosts of the boys of spring podcast with ryan miller who wrote this mock draft of course you can get your just baseball merch in the episode link description pete ben where can they find you guys on twitter on twitter i am peter g flaherty uh peter g and then flaherty i think i'll you'll be able to find yeah, me and then we'll put you. it in the description we'll put it in the description don't worry you'll find me in the description and then i'll leave you with three freshmen to watch with no description Thatcher Heard, UCLA, Travis Bazana, Oregon State, Vance Honeycutt, UNC. The playing will do the talking. You'll see why I made you watch them. 
Ben, where are they going to find you on Twitter and rattle off your three? All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Ben Bellotti, plain and simple. Make sure you go follow the boys of spring Twitter at boys of spring JB. And uh, then maybe. for my three guys, we have Zach Neto from Campbell. Guy Lepis to come from Belmont. Dude can absolutely fly and he doesn't strike out at all. And then Dylan Cruz, we already talked about a little bit, but one thing to add in there, he looks like Kendall from just baseball. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> And, and just one other guy to throw in there, Jake Geloff. I mean, he's leading the league in batting average so far. He's hitting oh, yeah. 636. I'll say it again, 636. And he's got more walks than strikeouts. He's got eight walks and five Ks. The guy just doesn't get out. He preferred not to. Kind of like Tommy White. Kind of like his teammate, JT Jarrett. So that'll we'll do it again. Off a ton of love on the next Boys of Spring episode. Don't worry. Oh, definitely will. So go check out the Boys of Spring. And with that, thank you, everybody. <laughs>